You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You worked all week. Work, 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 work. You didn't have time to look at your fantasy lineups. Son of a But don't be afraid. That's why we give you Weekend Fantasy Update. Woohoo! Here are your hosts, Joe Galena, Frank Stample, and Mike Florio. Oh, welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Hour 2 of Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galena along with Frankie Cheech Stampo. Pete Considori producing our show, uh, finishing up our uh, analysis of the Vikings at Eagles. Vikings uh, traveling to Philadelphia, favored by three. 38.5 is the over-under in this uh, game. Um, Frankie Cheech. You said that you, uh, in terms of the spread, um, well, I know you like the under, right? In yes. In this game? Yep. And in terms of uh, the three points, it's tough, right? Yeah. You like to get that half. Yeah. I, you could tease it down to two and a half if you mm-hmm. want to, but then obviously not going to get the same return as you would have on the three points. I think I would still lean the Vikings, mm-hmm. uh, but out of the four betting options this weekend uh the two game spreads and the over-unders um this is my second least confidence mm-hmm. is the vikings at minus three I, I would take them but yeah. you know i like the jaguars at plus seven and a half and i like the under on this game uh before i would forget the spread vikings beat the eagles i think so yeah i, I kind of i think they're pretty more, awesome that they're gonna be able to yeah. play a super bowl game at home yeah I think they are the more complete team. Mm-hmm. You know, if this team has Carson Wentz, completely different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I don't know if there's just enough there with Nick Foles. Again, great defense with the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't want to doubt them because we just saw them hold the the Atlanta Falcons to ten points. Uh, but I could see another low scoring game, gritty defensive battle, something similar to what we saw last week against the Falcons, seventeen ten, seventeen fourteen. Maybe 2017 max, but all of those outcomes would would take the under at 38 and a half. So I, I do feel pretty confident in that. Um, but from the Eagles' side of the ball for for fantasy, the Vikings' run defense is very good as well. Mm-hmm. I don't really think I want to do the um, the Jay Ajayi thing. Like mm-hmm. Garrett Blunt, only 3,700. If you think he has a chance to get in the end zone, he hell he did mm-hmm. it last week. So maybe you want to take a shot in the dark. Uh, as right now, he actually ran pretty well early. Yeah, uh, and I think that helped Foles, right? I think that just helped uh, the uh, add a little respectability where uh, opposing defense uh, had to respect the fact that the Eagles were going to run. Yeah, and he had 18 total touches in the yeah. game. So at his current price of 5,200, that's not terrible. He had the 15 carries, three receptions last week. Targeted five times, but again, he's going up against the number two ranked uh, run mm-hmm. defense this year in the Minnesota Vikings. The only Eagle I have in my lineup as of right now, and it's because he's so, so cheap, mm-hmm. is Alshon Jeffrey. I know he's going up against Xavier Rhodes, but at 4600 you really don't need him to do all that much to meet value mm-hmm. at that price. So if he gives you four for 60, three for 60, Maybe there's a chance he gets in the end zone. He'll meet the value at 4,600, so that's why I have him in. All right. We're going to finish up our coverage of football. Then we go to baseball. Vlad Sedler will be joining us later in the hour. We'll be talking fantasy baseball strategy. Weekend fantasy update. There have been some great trios in our history. The Three Stooges. I don't think I'm a Destiny's Child. I'm a survivor. 
Even the Shield. Nobody fights longer or harder. What do they all have in common? They're not the fantasy best friends forever. If you want to be a winner like Greg Sussman, Michael Florio, and myself, Frank Stanfield, tune in every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Want to see our beautiful faces? Yes. You can also check us out on YouTube, BFF Out. And we're back. Almost sounds like Godzilla's going to come get us with this song, no? Can you picture, like, you know, you look in the distance, all of a sudden you just see Godzilla just marching towards you? <laughs> <laughs> that actually reminds me, you're, you might enjoy this, Joe, yeah. of the song by Blue Oyster Cult, Godzilla. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm very impressed with your knowledge of classic rock. It was in a Guitar Hero. All right. Well, you know. Whatever, whatever helps you to uh, expand your musical horizon. You know what? I liked Guitar Hero too. Oh yeah, yeah. You used to jam out, Joey. I used to, yeah. I used to like take you know the guitar and just you know drop yeah, it and flip it yeah, up. Yeah. You get the star power yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you play on? Easy, medium? Did probably, you ever step probably, up to medium? Pro- I might have stepped up to medium and went right back to easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, fun story about uh, our co-host Michael Florio, who is not here. The first time ever that he tried to play Guitar Hero, we were. Um, Intoxicated. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> and, fun. You know, he was playing Slow Ride, which is like the first <laughs> song in the game in Guitar Hero 3. <laughs> and he's playing it on easy, and his eyes are like closed, and he's trying to play. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he was just and trying to failed. feel it, right? He was just trying to feel it, right? <laughs> uh, so now whenever right. I hear Slow Ride, it always takes me back to that moment. <laughs> Should take our uh, Guitar Heroes out of mothballs and uh, bring it in and play a little bit, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, football, basically, yeah. Uh, year-round sport, right? I mean, you know, we're talking DFS lineups here. Uh, we just went over the two uh, championship games. And uh, basically, I mean, this the NFC championship, tough to, to find players to use, I yeah. think, right? If it's I mean, a defensive you know, battle, it's yeah. like outside of the defenses, you know, you you'd want to get in on the game that's going to be most there's going to be the most scoring. Right. And, you know, based on what we saw last week, the Jaguars let up 42 points. They mm-hmm. scored a lot of points. We know what the Patriots can do. You know, your natural inclination is probably going to gravitate towards that game. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even that game could be a lower-scoring affair. So, there, I don't know that there's going to be much offense scored this weekend. So, over the next few weeks, we want to still covering. Uh, we want to still cover some football for you. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, I figure, why don't we start with uh, some free agents uh, on the quarterback side? And what better segue than to go from, let's say, Minnesota Vikings, who have three free agent quarterbacks for next year, Case Keatum, uh, Sam Bradford and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, here's some other free agent quarterbacks for next year. All right, Drew Brees. I mean, pretty much. I think it's a given that he'll probably resign with the Saints. Right. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to be an interesting one. I mean, do the can the Redskins afford to franchise him again? Uh, I think been, the franchise would be something like thirty-five million dollars. Yeah, uh, he's been rumored to uh, that the uh, the the Broncos might be interested in him, as uh, they should be. Yeah. Um, and in terms of uh, you have Josh McCown, I mean, then it gets a little dicey, right? Josh McCown's going to be a free agent. He he was serviceable as the Jets' quarterback this year. Uh, Cutler, Jay Cutler, does he come back? Does he start smoking again? Does he come back with the Dolphins? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ugh. yeah, I mean, backup for the of, Bucks. These are probably all backups at this yeah, point. Yeah. Like Jay Cutler's not going to come back to be a backup. Like now, the only way he's going to return is if he's a starter. Yeah. Now AJ McCarron is someone who's interesting. Uh, backup for the Bengals. I mean, uh, 
comes from a great program at Alabama, uh, but was a fifth-round pick in the 2014 NFL Draft. So that kind of tells you a little bit about what scouts were, were thinking about him. And I was looking at his uh, draft profile. Some of it was like, hey, you know, guy's got sloppy mechanics, but still could end up being a, an NFL starter. So uh, what are we thinking about this free agent class? I mean, Case Keenum, what you said before, I kind of agree with you. I mean, if this guy he brought your team to the NFC Championship, I mean, I would think that you want to hold on to him. But you never know. You never know. Yeah, yeah, it's and, true. And with uh, the offensive coordinator Shermer moving, it yeah. m- might spur him to uh, look elsewhere. Yeah, there's also Tyrod Taylor and Alex Smith. So we see where but those guys end up. Are they free agents, or they're just going to be? Um, I'm pr- uh, I'm available? pretty sure both guys are free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll pull up the Roto World. I know they have some contract details mm-hmm. on both of these guys, but it seems like. Alex, I could see Alex Smith ending up in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Something we spoke about a little bit. Uh, Michael Florio commented on it. He's probably a better version of Tyrod Taylor at mm-hmm. this point. I think he can make a few more plays down the field with his arm. Um, not not to take anything away from Tyrod because I, I think he has a good arm, but you know we've seen some issues with his accuracy. Yes. You know down the field, maybe at some intermediate levels. To be fair, he hasn't had much to throw the ball to. I mean, years where Sammy Watkins is in and out of the lineup. Right. His best receivers have been Charles Clay and LaShawn McCoy, who were tight end and running back. They just brought in Kevin Benjamin this year, but he was in and out of the lineup, banged up with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like Tyrod had much to throw to. Um, Let's see here. His contract details, uh, 2018, $10 million. Uh, but I think it's one of those things where they could cut him mm-hmm. and they could save money and it won't right. count against the cap or something like that. So Tyrod will probably be gone. I could see I could see him end up in Denver mm-hmm. if they swing and miss on Kirk Cousins. Maybe Arizona Cardinals. Um, Miami could either go back to Ryan Tannehill or maybe they look at a Tyrod Taylor sticking within the division. They've seen him a ton of times, so you know maybe they like what they've seen out of him. I think Tyrod Taylor could still land somewhere as mm-hmm. as a starting quarterback. Alex Smith, Buffalo makes sense. Uh, Denver, I mm-hmm. think it makes sense too because they have a great defense. They right. really just, they're a quarterback away and not even a great quarterback because you know we saw how far they went with you know a shell of a Peyton Manning. Right. You know so like. That that defense, they I think, still have Demarius Thomas. That defense still, yeah. can still bounce back. I think they mm-hmm. just they just need a quarterback. I think one or two of these teams between you know the Jets, Dolphins, Cardinals, they'll be playing with a rookie quarterback next mm-hmm. year. I think. And you talk about rookie quarterbacks. I, I was just looking. Uh, the Browns. The Browns are an option too. Yeah. Uh, before um, we heard, I, I heard Mike Blewett, Corey Parson, and Scott talking about the possibility of Alex Smith going to Cleveland, mm-hmm. which would be it's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Because like. All right, he'll he'll give you a, some stable quarterback play, and you won't go zero and sixteen. You'll win a couple games, yeah. but what does that really do for your franchise? I think Alex Smith is better uh, a better quarterback for a team that's almost there because yeah. he's not going to hurt you. I think the Cardinals yeah. and Broncos make sense. Yeah, like to me, the Cardinals still have a very good defense. We saw that in the second half mm-hmm. of the season. They're getting David Johnson back. If Larry Fitzgerald returns, they have a lot of things in place. Mm-hmm. So you bring in Alex Smith either in Arizona or Denver. I think it makes sense, uh, or or Buffalo. But yeah, I think the Browns are still, you know, they have a lot of talented pieces there. But I think they're still building from the ground up and bringing in like one of these rookie quarterbacks 
might be best than bringing in, let's say, an Alex Smith, who, like I said just a, you know, b- before, I think he is probably best suited in the couple of teams that you mentioned. That uh, let's say if Larry Fitzgerald comes back for the Cardinals, I mean, you know, Alex Smith might not be a bad deal there. And uh, like you mentioned with the Broncos, they have a couple of very good receivers. One of them, uh, Demarius Thomas, and whatnot. But let's say, uh, so I was looking at some of the the NFL mock drafts, like uh, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com, Mel Kiper from ESPN. Uh, Browns again have the number one overall pick, and this they're thinking that uh, they're going to go quarterback. So uh, one of them has Josh Allen as, as one of the guys. That's just clickbait. Going there, yeah. Uh, Sam Donald. Yeah, I, I think the Browns are going to take one of Rosen or Donald. I mm-hmm. think they will take Rosen. Uh, I think the Giants will end up taking Donald. Mm-hmm. Um, see if the Colts want to pull the trigger on a Saquon Barkley. They have so many issues on the offensive line and on the defense. I could see them taking a pass rusher, a Bradley Chubb, something like that. Uh, and then the Browns ending up with Saquon Barkley at four. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. You know, if you get the quarterback and running back potential Amazing. of the future, yeah. that'd be a great turnaround for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, so that's something they'll be looking to do. The Jets have some assets. They could trade up to that number three spot if they feel really strong about mm-hmm. a Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. Or, you know, if the Browns somehow take Josh Allen first, or. Kuiper you know, linked uh, Josh Ros- Rosen to uh, the, the uh, Jets, believe yeah, it or not. I don't, I don't see any possible he way to, he falls to six. Right. But yeah, they're probably going to have to, like you said, trade up a little bit. But uh, supposedly he has kind of made it known that he, he wouldn't mind being a, a New York Giant. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, mm-hmm. you know. If you're Darnold or Rosen, I mean, you're just praying. Mm-hmm. You're praying to whoever that the Browns don't take you and you end up with the Giants, right? right because right. that's a storied franchise with the Giants. Mm-hmm. You go into a position where you have Odell Beckham, Evan Ingram. You have Sterling Shepard to mm-hmm. throw the ball to. You're one year removed from having a very good defense. Like, oh, man, it's just so much better to end up with the Giants than it is the Cleveland Browns at the top there. And you know what? I, I've kind of warmed up. Like, you know, I think last week you asked me in terms of, like, you know who would I like to see, you know, coach the Giants? You know, I'm kind of warming up to to, to Shermer. I mean, uh, he he knows how to build an offensive line. Was an offensive lineman in, in college. Uh, has coached uh, Nick Foles in his best year. You know, he, obviously uh, look what he's done with Case Keenum. So so I mean, if the Giants uh, end up, and I don't see why they wouldn't picking up one of these rookie quarterbacks, he might be someone that could really build them up quicker than than most. Kind of like a quarterback guru, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I like what you mentioned about the offensive line. Mm-hmm. We know that that's, well, yeah. a, that's a huge area of need for the Giants. And not only that, if they, it, you know, whoever's back there, whether it's Eli Manning, uh, a rookie quarterback, you need a strong offensive line because we know Eli is not mobile. Uh, and the only way a young quarterback is going to succeed is if he has the right protection. So yep. I think that makes sense with Pat Sherman. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to switch gears. We'll be talking some fantasy baseball. But going forward, we're going to try to. Give you a little football uh, every week. Maybe uh, take a look at some of the free agents and running backs next week. But when we come back, fantasy baseball. Hey, you like fantasy football? You like 8-bit music? You like wrestling? You like fun? Well, I've got fun for you. Let me tell you something. 
you something, brother. The greatest show ever on Fantasy Sports Radio Network is on Target Fantasy, brother, okay? You've got Drake Seeley. He's a ranker, okay? You've got Chris Meaty, Canadian Kindness. And you've got Joe Pizapia, Mr. Blackbook. Every day, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. My God, it's an unbelievable two hours of fantasy goodness. Check the link. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. We're switching gears. We'll be talking some fantasy baseball. We got uh, Joe Galina, myself, along with Frankie Cheech Stanfill. Hey! You can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Galina. And uh, Frankie, where do they follow you on Twitter? Roto underscore Frank. All right. And we got uh, Pecan Story producing our show, doing a great job, as always. Uh Baseball news, still uh, waiting for some of these higher-profile free agents to sign. Starting pitching-wise, you have uh, Jake Arrieta, Hugh Darvish uh, still available, uh, Alex Cobb, Lance Lynn. Uh, those are uh, right-handed pitchers uh, from the left-hand side. It gets a little uh, less notable. Jaime Garcia, Wade Miley, Jason Vargas. Uh, free agent hitters still available. J.D. Martinez has been uh, supposedly negotiating with the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, and they're, like, way off. But mm-hmm. that's such a Scott Boris thing. Yeah. Like, you know, the Red Sox are trying to give him five for 100. He's come out and said he, they want, like, six for 180. It's mm-hmm. like, come on, dude. Like, you're off by $10 million per year annually. Right. And you also have uh, Eric Hosmer and Mike Moustakis still uh, waiting to get contracts. A little, a little surprised. Uh, you no. know, I... I think the Padres were in on Hosmer. I think yep. the Royals as well. But Moustakis, I haven't heard anything. Have you yeah. heard anything? He's the wild card yeah. right now because you haven't really heard much. Yeah, uh, We heard the Milwaukee Brewers a, a little bit this past week, but it doesn't really make sense because also part of that report was if they bring in a Mike Moustakis and they're going to try and move a Travis Shaw, and kind of seems like a lateral move. Like, yeah. I don't want to say they're the same player, but Travis Shaw had a pretty damn good he year. He really did, yeah. So, I, Mike Moustakis' year was better. He, you know, had a career year. Um, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But, you know, Travis Shaw was very good, too. So I, I'm not sure how much sense it makes to go out and sign a guy in Moustakis who you might have to pay, I don't know, 17 to $20 million per mm-hmm, year mm-hmm. for uh, when you have Travis Shaw for, I'd imagine, much cheaper. Right. So uh, I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, look, we're Yankee fans, Joe. I <laughs> I love him in Yankee Stadium. Sure. I think there's a fit there Lefty for third bat, base. Yeah. but. You know, it, he's not going to take a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. I think because the the Yankees want to be in on Machado next year. Yeah. So they're, you know they're not going to lock there are up that third base position. A lot of teams that want to be in on uh, Machado. It's going to be very next yeah. year's free agent class is amazing. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think next year's free agent class being what it is is what's holding up this year's free yeah. agent class mm-hmm. because people don't want to shell out long contracts. They don't right. want to shell out big money because everyone wants to spend their money next year. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. I mean, it sucks for the guys right now because. They're great players. Yeah. J.D. Martinez, Mike Moustakis, Hugh Darvish, Jake Arrieta, they're great players. Mm-hmm. The thing is, what's happening next year is almost unprecedented. Right. We have multiple players coming, going into a free agency where they are in the prime of their careers, yep. and they are game changers. These are guys that you Bryce can sign Harper, for 8- to 10-year contracts. Uh, These are guys right. that are like in their mid to late 20s. Right. Harper, Machado, uh, 
technically Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw but he's, he's, he's I'm sure the Dodgers are going to lock him up. Yes, there's yeah. huge names coming yeah. out next year. So I think that's what's holding up a lot. I think Charlie Blackman. Charlie might be Blackman. For, yeah, but it, you know, he's not in his 20s. I think he might be like no, early 30s, 30, 31 or something. He's 32 this yeah. season. Um, yeah, so a, a lot of names still out there. There was a, a small trade that went through, I think it was yesterday, where Randall Grichik, uh got traded to the Toronto Blue Jays. And Grichik, I mean... He, I've always been a Grichik yeah, guy. Yeah, he, he's an interesting guy because, uh, you know, let's see, 2015, 17 home runs in 103 games, 276 batting average. Uh, then he hit 24 home runs the year after that, 240, uh, 238. Last year, 22 home runs. has been sent up and down from the minor leagues. He's really struggled since uh, you know, 2015 on and off. But this might be the change that he needs moving to the American League. But not only the American League, but a hitter's park like the Rogers Center. A hitter's division. <laughs> yeah. yeah, He's going to be hitting in Camden Yards. Yeah. He's going to be hitting yeah. in Fenway, which is great for right-handed bats. Yeah. He's going to go to Yankee Stadium, which is not as good. Favorable for a right-handed bat. You'd mm-hmm. obviously be a left-handed bat, but it's still the small confines of Yankee Stadium. So I think he slots in here with what should be an everyday job, right? Like, yeah, Why else would right you go field, out and believe, get him yeah. mm-hmm. for the Toronto Blue Jays if you're not going to use him? And look at the ISO, Joe. The past three years, 235 or better ISO. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that those are legit power numbers. This, this guy hits the ball extremely hard, 40% hard hit rate. Mm-hmm. That's up there in the league with you know some of these mashers. Yes. So he hits the ball in the air over 42% of the time, uh, actually 43% for his – four-year career so far to this point. So he hits the ball in the air. He hits the ball hard. So what? He strikes out, you know, 29, 30% of the time. You know who else does that? Aaron Judge. So, I mean, you can almost stomach it. If you give this guy... If Joey Gallo could be in the major leagues, I think (laughs) Kritchik, you know, I know they play a different position. but (laughs) uh, I still... It it burns me that Joey Gallo is actually still uh, in the major leagues. If he gets 550 (laughs) to 600 play appearances, Grichuk, that is, he can hit 30 home runs. Yes. In the AL Pencil him in for 25-plus. But I I, I would say 30 is, is probably a fair estimate for him. Yeah, and he's probably going... You know, if you already did your drafts, he'd probably, in a 50-round draft and like an NFBC draft champions type format or, you know, some of these Fantrax leagues, mm-hmm. which, you know, we're in the middle of a draft right now on Fantrax, the beat BFF league with Greg Sussman and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're playing in one of these 50-round drafts, you get this guy late. Like, and what realistically, what's the difference between a Randall Grichuk and a Mark Trumbo? Like, Trumbo might go 10 rounds earlier because, you know, people are just kind of sleeping on Grichuk right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe this news of him trading is going to push him up draft boards, but I think it should, man. He needed a a change of scenery. The batted ball profile is there. I'm in. I'm in on Grichuk. Early ADP uh, that Rotowire combines NFBC, ADP, and Fantrax, he's the 92nd uh, outfield to take it. So you could take him with, you know, second to last pick or whatnot. And getting someone with the potential for 25, maybe 30 home runs, uh, that's uh, as close to a sleeper, even though we don't like to use that word too much anymore. Yeah. But uh, liking it. Yeah, yeah, definitely much more in Roto, too. If you play in, in points leagues where mm-hmm. you're, you're penalized for strikeouts, he's going to hurt you there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think 240 to 250, 30, he could hit 30 home runs like Joe said, if you mm-hmm. want a conservative approach, 25 to 27. And Trumbo is 50, has an ADP of 51 in yeah. terms of 
Outfielders. outfielders. So yes. he's going 40 <laughs> outfielders yeah. ahead, and yeah. it might not be a huge difference. I'm sure this is, he's going to get a little bump now. No, he definitely I'm not is. Sure, uh, he definitely is. He's going to climb yeah. into like probably the top 70 or top 60 outfielders, mm-hmm. I'd say. Uh, but I, I think he has the potential to hit maybe 30 home runs, um, like 75, 75, 75 runs scored, 75 RBIs, or maybe 80. Mm-hmm. So with a 240 to 250 batting average, he'll take that. I think he'll take it. Baseball uh, has been uh, in the news this week also, not just because of players, but uh, they want to institute some changes in the game. Uh, personally, the, the big thing that they're talking about is pace of play. I find it hard to sit down, to be honest with you, and I love the sport and whatnot, but every night, three-plus hours, that's a lot it's of a commitment. Yeah, it's a lot of commitment. So uh, back in 2015, uh, they initiated some changes where I think that the uh, batter had to keep at like one foot in the box or something like that. It brought down the time, the average time, to two hours and 56 minutes. Last year, it went back up to three hours and five. And just to give you an, a, a, an idea of how the pace of play has changed, right? So I just picked a couple of years, 1996, because it's the first time that uh, – the Yankees won a World Series since 1977. Two hours and 51 minutes was the average time. 1977, Yankees also won a World Series. Two hours and 32 minutes was the average length of the game. Wow. Yeah. So what do you think is the biggest difference? You know, it's basically after, if you think about it, I mean, after every pitch, a batter steps out. After every pitch, a, a, a pitcher walks around the mound and thinks it over. Uh, Nowadays. <laughs> yes. So you're saying that didn't happen as much? Maybe no, back in the late 70s? No, definitely not. And also, uh, a lot of, uh, they're talking about also limiting the number of visits that a catcher could come up to the mound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where do you, where do you stand with this? Do you, do you like some of these changes? The players don't want these changes, but the uh, commissioner has the power where he doesn't need the union's approval to make them, you know? Uh, I mean, do you think that there should be any limits, too, in terms of how many pitching moves a manager can make? I mean, is that going too far? That's, that's going too far. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to change the game to that extent, yeah. but I get what they're trying to do. Look, I think Rob Manfred has done actually a pretty good job of trying to market the game to, you know, the younger audience, trying to get the youth involved. Mm-hmm. We know that baseball is kind of a dying sport when mm-hmm. you compare it to the NFL uh, viewership, the even the NBA viewership. Like, I want to say one other thing. Just gets blown I'm out, not, man. I'm not sure if these numbers also include, like, commercial breaks, too, because now everything is sponsored. Yep. A pitching move is sponsored. <laughs> you know, this the, this double play is brought to you by, you know, whatever company or whatnot. So maybe that 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 is part of it as well. Nah, but I think, you know, some of the, the, the walking around the mound, you know, the guy stepping out of the batter's box, like, these are things that can be avoided. Yes. Like, you know, if it's not changing the game completely, like, you, I don't think you could put, like, change how many times a manager can go visit the mound, because right. that's that's part of the game, and that's that's strategy. That's mm-hmm. strategic. And you could say the same thing about a catcher, but you know, a lot of times they'll they'll do that just so that the guy in the bullpen can get more time to warm up. Right. So it's like, you know, I don't think you can take away stuff from the manager, mm-hmm. but you know, the other things, the little nuances that we see in the game now, I think you can try your best to eliminate those. I don't really have a problem with it, but I could see. Where the players come from, you know, if this is how they were taught to play the game, mm-hmm. like, they don't really want it to change. Right. Uh, and then you look at the uh, the Little League players, too. I mean, they're emulating these guys, too. You know, they step out of the box. They adjust yeah. their, their so gloves it's a, it's a vicious whatnot. It's a vicious circle <laughs> yeah. of, you know, just the game being extended. Right. 
if they can get it down to more of like a two hour thirty minute, two hour forty five minute mm-hmm. game, I, I think that would help actually. Yeah, I think it would uh, be uh, the sport. It would help the popularity of the sport a little bit because, look, in a society, we need instant gratification. They're thinking about putting a twenty second pitch clock where the throw, uh, the pitcher would have to uh, pitch throw pitch within 20 seconds so that's interesting but uh vlad Sedler's going to join us we'll be talking 2018 fantasy baseball draft strategy we'll be right back with vlad Sedler on the weekend fantasy update hey i'm jeff look i'm just a skeleton i don't have an acl anymore but i still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me, a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing. Download the free app today and unlock the secrets of injury analysis. Welcome back to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Joe Galina, along with Frankie Cheech Stample. And we're talking fantasy baseball. Nothing like talking fantasy baseball right in the middle of January. And we got a great guest that's joining us, Vlad Sedler, uh, MLB and NFL writer for Rotowire, uh, writes for Guru Elite DFS. Baseball HQ has a fantastic fantasy sports resume. 17-time NFBC League winner. Am I talking to Ric Flair over here? Because 17-time. Uh, 2017 Tout Wars head-to-head champ. Uh, Vlad, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. What's going on? Thanks for having me on. Uh, we love talking fantasy baseball, and uh, congratulations on uh, a great career that's continuing. So thanks for taking some time out of your weekend. Uh, and uh, you wrote a great article for Rotowire uh, talking about some draft strategies uh, for uh, 2018, very early in the draft process, but never too early to start preparing. But uh, so your article, yeah. yeah. So your article talks about the uh, inevitably, the inevitably. I can't even say the word. Inevitable. Yeah, I can't say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to end up with a first-round bust, basically, Fat, right? I mean, first of all, where, where do you like to uh, to draft from? What slot? And uh, what ways do you protect yourself from getting stuck with that first-round uh, player who doesn't end up uh, living up to their ADP? Yeah, you know what? It's so hard to do, uh, especially in the first round. I really do think luck plays such a big role in really making sure that the players that you have uh, in, that you were able to get in that first round is going to play as close to a full season as possible. And so, I think every year um, it really depends on where you want to uh, where you want to sort of uh, get that pick. Um, and I I think this year, for example, you know, the back end of the draft I think is an absolutely great spot where you have guys who have the potential to return, you know, top four, top five overall ADP, you know, guys like Chris Bryant, who had a little bit of a down year last year because of the RBIs, or, uh, you know, Carlos Correa, who I think is going to be even better um, than he was last year. And so that back half of the draft, I think it's fantastic. You can grab a couple of picks back to back there, not to mention a couple of Yankees there, um, Stanton and Judge. If people think they're going to return to their, you know, matching ways, then, uh, I mean, shoot, you could technically grab both of them, get yeah. your power, and then you know, work on everything else. 
Hey Vlad, what's going on, man? It's uh, Frank here. I wanted to ask you about pitching because you touch on it a little bit in the article. Uh, where you know, if you're in the back end of the first round, twelve team or fifteen team leagues, I mean, you're gonna see those that, that those four, those aces. It's it's Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Corey Kluber, Chris Sale. Do you see yourself taking one of those guys? Because you referenced in the article, like if you don't take one of those aces, and then. You know, you take you start off with hitter hitter in the, the first and second round. Then you're looking at maybe a Zach Greinke, a Robbie Ray. If you get lucky, a Justin Verlander. You know, in the back of the first round as your ace. I actually, you know, I'm in the middle of a slow draft right now, and I started at pick 11. I got Harper, Lindor, and then I took Verlander and Carlos Martinez in three and four. I feel okay about it, but I might have felt better yeah. if I took an ace. So, how do you feel in the back end of the first round, and you know, just pitching early on the season? Yeah, I think it's really personal preference uh, for people. Um, you know, if you're playing in, in local leagues or, or, or home leagues um, or even public leagues, I mean, really, you're able to wait a little bit longer on pitching than you are on something like you you and I are drafting right now in these NFBC slow drafts where you really got to get that base uh, of, of, of ratio statistics, the ERA and WHIP. Uh, and if you're waiting too long for pitching, you're simply taking too many chances. Uh, of course, there's going to be always a chance that uh, maybe this is the year that Scherzer sale break down or, you know, or, or Kluber starts off cold again in April like he does every year. Or, you know, I mean, even those guys have some concern. So I think for each person, it, it's really sort of case dependent. Uh, and I think it's most important that people build their own uh, tier rankings. So, you know, for for somebody, Steven Strasburg could be the, their number three guy uh, ahead of, say, you know, sale and um, and Kluber, uh, or, or maybe Degrom is in that group for them. So um, it, it really just depends on, on what you feel comfortable with, and 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 I think people need to not be afraid to, to sort of double down on pitching as well. If if you do grab an ace there, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to wait till the seventh eighth round to grab your number two starter. Um, ending up with somebody like an Arietta or a Lester as your number two, who could potentially disappoint. Nothing wrong, especially if you're comfortable with um, hitting later on. You know, go ahead and, and grab a, a you know a, an archer or a Carrasco as your number two, and then you can just work on hitting for a while. So, really, just depends on the person and what they feel comfortable with. How concerned are you with uh, Clayton Kershaw and his issues the past couple of seasons with, with with his back? I mean, would you avoid him? Because uh, I've seen you know Scherzer being taken ahead of him, which uh, you know that's. You, you never used to see that before, even though they, I think they're comparable, obviously. But, uh, you know, he, he, Kershaw has missed some time past couple of seasons. Is that something that, that you're worried about? Yeah, you know what? It definitely is, and, and especially as a Dodger fan. Um, the thing is, he, he's not quite 30 years old. He's going to be turning 30 in, um, in just about a month and a half. Uh, but I, I think a lot has to do with how we how he's looking in spring training. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he did pitch 175 innings last year, uh, and, and even in those 175, I mean, he's pretty much um, you know one of the top pitchers last year. I mean, the ERA 2.31 last year is just insane as it is every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just an absolute beast, and uh, you know, I was able to to grab him in a magazine uh, draft that we did just about two months ago. I got him 14th overall. I was the 14th pick out of 14. Um, you know, I got him there. You're going to see him come March. Um, that's going to sort of, you know, people are going to forget about all those issues with Kershaw. You're going to start seeing people in, in NFBC wanting to grab pitchers in high stakes, or they'll grab him at, you know, overall at six or seven without any concern. 
All right, Vlad, this is going to be a loaded question. You mm. you write about it in the article. You need to get them bags, as in you got to get stolen bases. We know it's the uh, it's widely talked about. It's a polarizing topic. Uh, they are very hard to come by with the decrease in stolen bases in the MLB. Uh, so I want to ask, how are you attacking stolen bases? Are you one of these players who will maybe pair a D Gordon in the second round with a Stanton or a power hitter uh, just because you know you get the big power and then you get the big speed in the second round? Or are you kind of just piecing it together, like keep chipping away throughout the draft. The, the, the draft that I mentioned earlier on, I took Jonathan VR in the, the 11th round. It seems like a value. It's very early on in the draft season right now. I think he's kind of a hard guy to figure out, but he was going in the second round of drafts last year. So in that regard, it seems like a value pick to me. How are you attacking stolen bases so far? So, so first of all, I think that's a great pick there in the 11th round. I mean, that's pretty much um, a, a lot of ways that every year – um, you know, a lot of people do well. They're just feasting on last year's uh, bumps, so to speak. You know, the guys that end up busting that were first-round picks. And, you know, a lot of this, these stats are cyclical. Sometimes these guys fall off altogether. But, hey, I mean, a, a Jonathan Villar, a VR in the, in the 11th, where he absolutely can get back to leading off for that team and, and stealing 40-plus bases, I think is fantastic. Um, you know, for me, I think it's really case-dependent. Um, again, it just depends on what I have going on. And, you know, for example, in the uh, FSTA draft that uh, we started as a slow draft that we're going to finish up at the conference in L.A. Um, on, on Monday, uh, we, Charlie Weger and I, we started with uh, Paul Goldschmidt and J.D. Martinez, so had a nice little uh, uh, base there where D. Gordon was staring us in the face in the third round. That way we're able to get those steals and then not worry about it as much later on. Um, but, you know, that's not always the case. It depends on what you have with those early picks. The safer way to go, of course, is to, um, you know, load up on those guys that are getting you 15 to 25 stolen bases, trying to figure out who this year's Whit Merrifield is or, or last year's, uh, you know, Hernan Perez, and, and really loading up on those steals. It's something that you'll be able to get on the waiver wire as well. The, the only main thing is, Steals just aren't uh, as quite as available as they used to be. You just don't have a lot of guys stealing 30-plus bases anymore. That could bounce back this year, but I'm almost more uh, inclined to believe that we'll just see the continuation of power and that people are going to have a, pro- a tough time getting steals. So, I mean, with the amount of information that's accessible to everyone playing fantasy these days, I mean, the term sleeper is pretty much, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't use it as much, but... Uh, Early on, any any breakouts that uh, have caught your eye or that you're focusing on that you think could uh, outplay their ADP? Oh yeah, there's a, there's a ton of guys. I, I think some of the you know the these these slow drafts with the 50 rounds um, where you get four hours of pick, I think are fantastic prep for people because it allows you to sort of um, you know look up uh, option A versus option B on the spot and really sort of dig into the numbers. You know, look into their fan graphs pages, look into their advanced metrics. But uh, you know, I, I'm looking at some some starting pitchers like a uh, you know Lucas Giolito, who you know right now is going in the 20th round in, in 15 teamers. Uh, Luis Gohara on the Atlanta Braves, who I think should be able to crack the rotation and might be one of their better starters. Um, you know, and even a lot of people that may have busted last year. Um, you know, guys like Sean Manaya on the Oakland A's, or even, you know, Kenta Maeda, who's, you know, I mean, he's already broken out, but he's somebody that people are expecting to possibly go back to the bullpen. I personally think his contract is set up for him to be a starter. I think he's going to have a great season, and he's another guy that's currently undervalued. So lots of different guys um, on the hitter front. The one guy I'll mention who I would love to see get full-time at-bats 
is Aaron Alther on the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I think he's, he's quite the value and w- would love to see him, him get full-time playing time. But with uh, Carlos Santana in the mix now, they, they have a really crowded situation going on. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen there in Philly. Uh, real quick, Vlad, we only got like a minute left. I told you I was going to ask you about this guy. <laughs> Very early in drafts, what I've looked into uh, is Rafael Devers is going to be my guy. He's going to be my bay. I'm a Yankees fan, but I don't care. Uh, I was at the game last no. year when he hit opposite field home run off Aroldis Chapman to tie that game. Uh, it was just absolutely ridiculous. I said I think he can be almost Eric Hosmer-esque uh, from, from the left side. Not the same batted ball profile, but maybe 280-plus batting average, 20 to 25 home runs. How do you feel about Devers early on? I love it. Uh, I, I think he's a great, uh, great pick where he's going. I think there's going to be a lot of comparison with uh, uh, Devers to Yon Mancada on the White Sox, and I think that uh, will be an interesting pairing to track since they're, uh, you know, they're going close to one another in uh, in, in uh, ADP, have similar um, you know profiles in, in terms of um, had a little bit of a, their cup of tea last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a guy that maybe. You know, I, I think if one spot he might potentially disappoint in is home runs. He may not hit the 20 home runs, but you know what? Hitting sixth in that lineup and uh, potentially even moving up to, to third, I mean, I could definitely see that and him hitting 290-plus, driving in 100 runs and, and stealing you another 10 bay at bags. So nothing wrong uh, with, with making him your bay. I appreciate Vlad Sedler joining us. You could follow him on Twitter, at RotoGut. Read his uh, fantasy uh, baseball Article Roto Wire Guru Elite DFS Baseball HQ Vlad appreciate you uh, joining us. Good luck this season. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. You too. You too. Great stuff from Vlad. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll continue uh, fantasy baseball coverage. Weekend fantasy update. My name is Greg Sussman. To my right, assistant executive, who turns last year's trash into this year's cash. To my left, the man that calls himself Wall Street, who had a more productive fantasy football season than he's ever had before. The crazy thing, he doesn't consider fantasy football his best sport. Listen each and every weekday to the Roto Experts, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 a.m. East, to get all the knowledge and analysis that these guys can give you. If you can't watch us live, make sure you listen to us on demand on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And we're back on a Fantasy Sports Radio Network Weekend Fantasy Update. Uh, Frankie Cheech, Stample, Joe Galina. Playing a little Boston for you in honor of <laughs> Frankie Cheech. Hey! <laughs> I think they play a little uh, Boston for you in honor of uh, your man Raphael Devers. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that it? little connection you made there. And yes, the way I feel for Raphael Devers... It's more than a feeling. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, following our show, we've got the producers. Uh, Pete Considori produced our show, and, and now he's up here. And uh, what's going on? I think you're uh, doing a, a Sharknado bit? Yeah. No, we're uh, we're doing our Fantasy Producers Movie Club, uh-huh. week number two. We're right. in it. Um, we're going to be uh, – we watched Sharknado this past week. Uh, so we're going to review it, talk about the it a little one? bit. The first one? Because how many of them? The first one. There's okay. like 17 <laughs> yeah. of them. I don't even know how many there are. Um, and then we're going to put a poll up at the top of the hour to see what and, the fans... And you're going to swing from it? Yes. Uh, <laughs> good one. I like that. That was good. It took me a second. Yeah, it took me just a little bit uh, to see what, what genre the fans want us to watch next on Netflix. So uh, definitely look out for that poll on the FNTSY radio. I have to say, 
<laughs> very entertaining show. You have any recommendations for us? Uh, well, uh, what are you watching today? You said you're watching uh, yeah. a movie tonight. I might be watching Scarface today. I've never okay. watched it in its entirety. I've okay. watched bits and pieces and stuff, but <laughs> okay. I might jump in on the that. Other night so, I... you, so you haven't watched Scarface in its entirety. Michael Florio hasn't watched The Godfather at right, all. Right, right, right. What's going it, on with this show, man? That's a huge issue. I mean, at, at least... I, honestly, I've never seen Godfather 3. People have told me that you just don't need to watch it. Yeah. So, But the first and the second one are amazing. You know, after like 10, 15 years after Godfather 3 came out, I, I watched parts of it. It's, it's still bad, but not as horrible as, uh, you know, as I remember. <laughs> but the other night, uh, they on my uh, cable, I forget which one it was. It might have been HBO. They had Back to the Future, then yes. Back to the Future 2, and then 3. There you go. There you go. There you go, Bavona. Anybody recognize what we're doing here? Hey, hey yo. Oh. So I, I ended up taping the three movies. I feel, you, you know, over the next week. I have the Back trilogy. Back to the Future, right? I have the trilogy on DVD. Yeah, yeah maybe that's one. Uh, maybe you should, uh, that should be your focus next week. Maybe. The Back to the Future trilogy. Mm. Mm. That's a lot of dedication to our Chris Pavone. I'm jumping on here. Yeah. I could do a there whole show about Back to the Future. Is that that your, one of your favorite movies of all time? It's my, Chris? it's my, it's my personal favorite of all time. Yeah, personal. very good. Godfather is one of the greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. It's number two for me though as personal favorite. Yeah, and, and it's a movie Back to the Future. I haven't seen it in so long that you know I'm going to forget what happened. It's, it's almost going to be fresh again. So I'm excited for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a call. I'll let you know. Please. You, yeah. Shoot me a text. Why don't we periscope? We can watch it together. <laughs> Do people still use that? <laughs> I feel like I haven't heard about that in a while. I think they do. I think they use it for like Twitter purposes, like because Twitter does Twitter have like live video? I feel like they're kind of like think, upping it. But I think maybe I Periscope the, is like the, the live the video. McGregor, the last McGregor fight. Yeah. I watched it on Periscope on Twitter. There you maybe, go. Maybe they have like but a partnership. Maybe they get something that's together. <laughs> Somebody come here and arrest Joe Galena. Hey, I'm sorry, that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Chris Bavona, take that part of the show out. <laughs> never happened. We can edit it in post. Don't worry. <laughs> it never happened. All right. So, uh, great show. Listen to the producers. Uh, I'm going to be listening. I want to uh, hear uh, your take on Sharknado. Very entertaining movie. Uh, for Frankie Cheech Stanfield, I'm Joe Galena. See you next week on Weekend Fantasy Update. <laughs>